Oh, thanks, Angus. Do sit up uh, for a moment. Uh, as Matt indicated earlier on, uh, you'll know if, you, if you're normally with us on Sunday evenings, our, our normal pattern is, is reading some of God's words and then preaching, hearing a sermon on it. And yet, from time to time, we do something a little bit different. Tonight's one of those evenings. Uh, we're going to have a, a, an interview around this topic. Um, and again, as Matt, Matt said, a little series just thinking about um, help for heavy hearts. Um, and we're going to think about perfectionism. J- just by way of introduction to that, uh, I've been reflecting this a week, uh, a little bit on that part of Paul's letter to the Galatians that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. You, you might know it, uh, where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit this way. You know, those nine different things he mentions, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And Paul will say about them, against such things, there is no law. Uh, And if you know the letter, you know what he's doing. In the letter, he's writing to the Galatians who, having started with Jesus, are beginning to think the key to the Christian life is their own effort. Uh, And he's saying, no, 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 what you need is something much more radical than your own rule-keeping. You need the saving work of Jesus and the gift of His Spirit who will grow this life in you. And you realize the fruit He shows you in that letter it is really the life of the Lord Jesus. Lots we could say on that, but it, it was in my thinking as, uh, as I was thinking ahead to this evening with the conversation we're going to have with Amanda in a moment. Um, this was the thought that, that came to me. It, it's the way in which we can sometimes make a virtue out of something the Lord Jesus doesn't seem to say is a virtue. So, I don't know. Here's, here's an example. Have you ever heard someone described this way? Oh, he doesn't suffer fools gladly. You know that kind of thing? And it's said almost like it's a real virtue. Here's a really good thing to be. But then you read the fruit of the Spirit, and you come across the mention of kindness. And you're reminded, aren't you? Jesus suffered fools gladly. He suffered me in my foolishness. And he's done it kindly. Um, it's good to spot, isn't it? If I'm trying to make a virtue out of something, Jesus would say, no, I want to grow something different uh, in you. So, with, with the topic we're going to think about tonight, perfectionism, I imagine my first reaction to it in lots of ways, and we'll maybe come to this, was, well, isn't it just being committed to quality? Um, isn't it just trying to have rightly high standards? And that might be true, but it's good to think about, isn't it? Because it might be something different, and the Lord Jesus may want to grow us in a different way. And so, before we come to that, we're going to read uh, two passages, and perhaps, strangely, one of them talks about being perfect. Um, but if you've got a Bible nearby, uh, turn with me, would you, to Matthew chapter 5. It's on page 969. We're going to read two short readings, and then we're going to listen um, to uh, a song just sung for us um, uh, before conversation with Amanda. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 17. And let me lead us in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for your words, and thank you for the preciousness of this, that what you said in the past, you continue to say to us now by your Spirit. So please help us hear the Spirit's voice as we read these words. 
Amen. Matthew 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then if you just turn over the page and come down to verse 43, Jesus is speaking again. And he says this, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you, going, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. And may God add his blessing to this reading of his holy words. We're going to listen to a song sung for us. Thank you, Matt and musicians. We'll look forward to learning that and singing it together. Um, Oh, can I say, it is warm, isn't it? There's no use pretending that it's not warm. Um, there, it's hot. It's not just warm. Okay, let me get that quite right. Um, uh, there's water up at the back. So at any point, you can uh, go up and grab a drink if you need one. Please do that and move closer to one of the fans. We've got one right here, which is uh, very nice. Um, uh, and also, if you feel like you need to sneak out, you can pretend you're going for a drink and then just run down the stairs at the end. Um, Amanda, uh, thank you very much for agreeing to do this. I asked you if you'd do it uh, ages ago. And many people will know you already in our church family, uh, or they'll have seen you singing sometimes at the front or doing things with Tuesday Central. But for those who, n who don't know you, as we, as we hear your accent, uh, which part of the United States are you from? David. <laughs> Getting off on the wrong foot here. Um, from Canada um, originally, um, but I did live in the States, so you're slightly forgiven for that one. Um. I'm being deliberately <laughs> provocative. Um, and also, the other thing, just on getting things wrong at the start, I've been saying your name wrong. I've known you for five years, and I was convinced, and maybe other people are, that it's Navis, your surname, but it's not. How do we say it? Navis. Navis. Okay, so we've heard it all now. We, we, can't, we can't forget it. Uh, I don't mind slightly teasing you or provoking you because when I first moved here, <laughs> I just moved in five years ago and I came up to the church and looked through the window to say hello if somebody would let me in and Amanda was coming out to bring me a cup of tea because she thought I, I, was, uh, I'd, I looked like I'd been sleeping rough and she was coming out. <laughs> 
She not only did that once, she did it twice. Um, thank you. So it's very kind that you brought... It's yeah, a comfort, a isn't it, to know that if you were sleeping rough, I did try to bring you yeah. two cups of tea. And that I looked, I looked really, <laughs> really rough having just moved. Look, we're thinking about, uh, for the next sort of 25 minutes, we want to think about this idea of uh, perfectionism and where, where it might, might really be a hindrance to us. Um, and just as we get into that, t- tell us what first started you think? When did you start thinking about it? And what was the kind of route into wanting to think more about it? Yeah, I think actually a good friend of mine encouraged the kind of start of my thinking about perfectionism. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, probably 2018-ish, we were out for a walk out towards Grantchester and I was telling her about a mistake that I'd made at work, um, telling her about how, though my boss wasn't that fussed and it was resolved very quickly, um, I was in tears. I was quite literally sat on the floor of my office with head in hands. I was saying quite sort of cruel things about myself. And she just stopped me and said, why do you think you react so strongly when you've made quite a minor mistake? And that kind of jolted me into thinking, you know, I'm not actually quite sure because my response was quite out of proportion Hmm. with what had happened. Um, And as I did some reading and some thinking and some further chats with her and other people, I think I began to realize that my approach to standards and the expectations that I held of myself were commonly kind of referred to under this label of perfectionism, though I had never used that word or thought of myself as I need to be perfect. Like, I didn't think in those categories. Um, but I think I resonated with a lot of the experiences under that, that category. So that was my own struggles, to be honest, were the, yeah, yeah, the, start, yeah. of, the start of that. And just, oh, that, I mean, that is interesting. And I can imagine, just as you said, we've talked a little bit about this, but the, I, I hadn't heard quite that bit before, that idea of saying cruel things about myself. I mean, that's quite significant. I can imagine there's a, there's a n- number of people for whom I'll recognize that. Mm. Uh, and that, in the moment, it can, I guess it can feel for us because of the way we think that's legitimate, that's yeah. who I am. It's right to, in a way almost that, well, I hope I wouldn't talk to someone else like yeah. that. Uh, but I can, I'll speak to myself uh, like that. Uh, so if you can... Just expand out for us and begin to help us think through. So that, that was your kind of, your entry point in yeah. was reflecting on yourself and somebody pointing out, even asking that question, why, why do you react so strongly? That set you on a, a bit of a journey to think about it. Help us with that. How do we think about perfectionism? Is there a spectrum? What, what's a good way to approach it? Yeah, I think, I think spectrum is, is probably a good word to, to start out with um, by noting. I think when it comes to this struggle with perfectionism, I think there's going to be, you know, different people will struggle in different ways and to different degrees with this. So I think perhaps on one end of the spectrum, you might have um, the kind of struggles with perfectionism that could be quite chronic or quite intense in, in a way that they really do impact somebody's ability to live, you know, their daily life as normal. I think when we kind of edge towards that more intense kind of end of the spectrum, I think you might find yourself bumping into other categories, things like Um, eating disorders or anxiety or depression um, or OCD, things like that. Um, But then on the other end of the spectrum, you might have people who would describe themselves as very carefree and laid back and they wouldn't resonate too much. But I think think the thing with the spectrum is that you've got to remember it's not either either this or this. It's it's all the variations in between. Um, So there's quite a broad way that people can struggle with this. Um, They might... They might see it popping up just in one particular area or all over their life or 
yeah, other things besides. But I guess the spectrum is helpful um, in thinking that through. And I, I guess I'm, I'm all right. I'm just beginning to imagine, I, I can, they've got an extra question that I didn't say to you before. They, um, I guess there could be things where it, it comes up in this area for me, but plenty of other areas, yeah. it doesn't come up. And, yeah. I, and I would think, well, this isn't, this isn't me at all, yeah. but it's just not been tested yeah. yet. Um, yeah. And is there, is there sort of common factors? Yeah, um, I think there's a, a slide for just a few of them. So um, I was reading a book a while ago called Picture Perfect by Amy Baker, and she's got this long list of just some common features of perfectionism. This is only just a few that I've taken um, and slightly expanded upon. Um, but yeah, there can be that sense of, yeah, wanting or needing the, or feeling the pressure of being the best, which I think is probably a fairly common one that comes to mind when we hear the word perfectionism, um, and that can be in lots of different spheres, but there's lots of other um, common features as well. I don't know if you want to pause or pick out on, um, on any in particular. Well, I, I mean, it's worth people just have, if we can just have a read through them. I, I saw this, um, I saw this list, because you, you sent it my way, um, I, Look, as you look at them, and if we can flick back to the, the first one again, just have a look through that. I'll tell you the one that caught me out, because there's... Um, I, can you, oh, let me, let me read them out. Um, thank you. Somebody just reminded me. Not everyone can perhaps read the screen. So some common characteristics uh, of this. Wanting or feeling pressured to be the best having very high or unrealistic standards of self and of others, and I guess it could be or others, yeah. harsh and overly critical judgments when mistakes are made or standards are failed, over-attention to details, and then if we go into the next slide, even when something has been done well, it is ruthlessly analyzed for any weak spots or imperfections, uh, the successful perfectionist, and maybe we can get this to you, the successful perfectionist and the unsuccessful perfectionist. Uh, just without thinking that through more, I thought, gosh, it's bad enough being a successful perfectionist, but if you're an unsuc unsuccessful perfectionist, that's really hard. <laughs> Constant comparisons to others. Uh, not attempting new things. And procrastination. Now, let, let me just say, I'm going to ask you one that has just helped for me, and then I'll maybe ask you as you go through the list what, what were ones that resonate. And I mean, others can, can talk at various other times. As I went through that list, I kind of went, yeah, not so much. And then I came to procrastination. And I thought, oh gosh, I put off stuff. D tell me why that might be within the remit of, of yeah. this. So I think. The procrastination one, it, it can fall or, or, or can be, you know, a result of just like laziness or just not wanting to do something. So I, th I don't think... I'm off the hook. It's just laziness. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but I think when it kind of comes under this perfectionism label, I think it's, it's when there's this fear of not being able to live up to the standard or the expectation of, what, of whatever the task is. So therefore, it's easier just to kind of put it off and ignore so I don't have to face trying to measure up or face the reality that maybe I can't do it as well as I hoped or others hope that I can. Um, so it, it's kind of bound up in the, this feels too much and I'm not going to succeed in some way, um, rather than a just a, I don't feel like doing it. Yeah. Because this is going to turn into um, just helping me out at the front <laughs> here, because I, 
I mean, I, I don't know what others think, but conversations afterwards, I, I read that and thought, yeah, I, I put stuff off because I'm at times worried how it will land with somebody else or I can't think my way around it unless I've got it right. Um, and I thought linked to that at times, what, I get frustrated with other people. Mm. Uh, and I realize it's not just because of what they're doing, it's because I don't know how to sort it out. And it's much easier just to get cross with them. And I think I've got a standard I want to achieve for myself. On that list, look, that, it's, not, it's not about me, but I think I flag up, I need help. Um, and I, I do need God to be at work in me. But as you look through that list, were there others for you that, as you began to think about it, you, you thought perhaps, oh, that one's a surprise, mm. uh, or I, I can excuse myself from it, but it, it's there. I think um, for, for me, the not attempting new things was, was, a, was a surprise for me as I thought about it. Um, and this is probably a silly example, but I realized that um, I didn't, I, I mean, I love cooking and baking, and I, I will very happily try my hand at pretty much any new recipe, but I will not go near ones that, have, um, that, that use yeast, so any kind of bread stuff, okay. which I know is a, a silly thing, yeah. but um, I happen to live with someone, Lucy Gager, if you know her, um, who is amazing at baking those kinds of things, and the one time I tried, it flopped. Like, okay. it, it really didn't turn out well at all. And I, I found myself thinking, I'm never going to try that again because I didn't get it right immediately and I couldn't serve the bread to people. I had to throw it out. Um, but I think I, that, that little incident made me realize how often does that happen in other areas. So my family are quite athletic. I'm probably not in, very much in that category. So therefore, I won't, I won't do things with them because I probably won't look very good. Um, so I think it's that kind of, if I can't be perfect or good or praiseworthy at it the first time, then I'm probably not going to do it. Um, yeah. And at that point, you, you begin to see, even if, and what we're doing tonight, this conversation, it's, it's beginnings, to, it's a little inroad into to just thinking about this, but what it does flag up is, if that's the way you begin to look at life, it does become limiting and debilitating in some yeah. ways. It, it's just a hindrance to the kind of life that God might perhaps... It doesn't mean we should be able to do everything no. <laughs> as well as everybody else. Yeah. But if there's something that I might want to do that could be a service to others and I'm not doing it because of this, uh, that, that wouldn't be good. Mm. Can you help? Is it, you know, we're, we're talking around this. I know one of the things you thought about is, is moving some way towards a kind of provisional definition. Sometimes it's helpful to say, oh, I can begin to define this just to help me grasp it and understand mm. it. What, what, what would be helpful in, in that kind of way? Yeah, I, I mean, just picking up on your comments from earlier, like isn't perfectionism just, you know, wanting to, to be godly and wanting to work hard? Um, I guess I probably, well, I'll start by answering your question by saying what perfectionism, perfectionism isn't in that I think it can be quite easily muddled up with this idea of wanting to glorify God with the gifts and the talents and the abilities that he's given us and therefore stewarding them well, working hard, applying yourself to whatever you know, field that you're in. Mm. I think like, that, that's a good, mm. a, good, a good perspective to have. And I think then on the surface, perfectionism and that godly attitude can look the same. But I think when I'm talking about perfectionism, a helpful way to kind of differentiate between a good sort of attitude, um, seeking God's glory and stewarding things well. And perfectionism is by testing whether or not you can use this little phrase or else. Um, so as an example of that, 
I could, you know, coming into you this evening, be saying, you know, I want to do this interview really well to glorify the Lord, to point people to Jesus, um, and if I can, help people grow. That's, a, that's a, hopefully a good attitude to have. But I could also rewrite that and say, I want to do this interview well, otherwise or else my week will be ruined. People will think I'm a failure and probably I'm a little bit stupid and I shouldn't have come up here. And so I think using that or else test can help just differentiate between yeah, between the two, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the, the attitude is either sort of looking up to the Lord and wanting to give him glory or what are people going to be thinking of me? Um, yeah, that's really helpful just to have that phrase. And I suppose it's just to recognize it in your thinking. I, is, I mean, I don't know whether you, you use it. Do you, do you begin to, does it, is it help you recognize when the reactions are going the wrong way? Yeah. I think for me, that's been a, re- a really helpful test um, of just discerning. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a mix of both, to be honest. I can, I can pick out, you know, some good godly reasons for doing something and the perfectionist, but at least it's helpful to be mindful of that. Um, yeah, and that, that, that's helpful to say, isn't it? Because you can take these things and say, oh, gosh, right, I know what I'm meant to do. I, I've, I've got to do, I've got to ask the or else question. And if I don't ask the or, or else question right, I'm a failure again. You think, no. Yeah. No, the, there will always be this side of heaven, mixed motives going forward. But we're, yeah. we're called by the Lord to be, to be repenting, turning and trusting him and beginning to say no with his help. We'll come on to that yeah. in a bit. But look, Sorry. Um, in terms of definitions, I think there's one on the, the screen there. Uh, I've had a bit of a go. Go, you read um, it out for us. Yeah, so perfection is, is, is this need, or at least feeling this pressure, um, to be without fault or mistakes. Um, I think it's closely linked to wanting to sort of be approved of or accepted, and I think kind of closely linked to people's sort of sense of worth um, and value. Um, so I guess that kind of sums up. It's, it's not so much about wanting to do things for the, for the Lord's glory, but there's, there's other things going on there. Mm. Can I ask, just on that, I should have asked you this before, that kind of gain, gain approval or be accepted, are, are they, they're the kind of, the different sides of the coin. One is, I, I love to be thought well of, mm-hmm. uh, and the other is, I hate being thought badly of. Is that the kind of, and is that yeah. for, for some of us, we might go in slightly different directions with this? Yeah, I, th- I think, um, I'll, I'll touch on this at a later point as well, but I think underneath this struggle can be either kind of a sense of pride, um, you know, I want, I want to be the best, mm. um, but there can also be, you know, elements of shame in there as well of, um, you know, I, I want to be enough for people, mm. um, often out of experiences where, where someone hasn't felt like that, they haven't felt... Um, enough for people or loved or whatever. So I think there are kind of, there's sort of two, there could be two different themes or threads going on. Okay, now very briefly, because I want to move on to the second part of what you're saying, and so we finish on time. I, I think one of the things I asked you, and you've mentioned, here's principle, what might be, when I'm in the trenches with this, and I'm, I'm not aware I'm in a battleground, what, where might some of the battlegrounds be, just so you flag them up for us? I mean, it's going to vary from person to person. There's a few, uh, next slide um, has a few kind of other ideas or some, some common areas, I guess. So things like body image um, can, be, um, can be a big battleground, I guess, for people, how, how they come across or how they appear. Um, not just sort of, sort of physical size, or, but, you know, the clothes that one wears, all that kind of stuff. Um, workplace, you know, workplaces are full of things like 
performance evaluations. You know, you've got a boss who's kind of, you know, going to be doing that. You've got colleagues, you've got relationships there. So that kind of anywhere where there's going to be an assessment of you in some shape or form, which is why I've put sort of grades and performance down there as well. So sporting world, school world, academic world, that sort of thing. Um, but I think the home as well, um, I, I, uh, I once lived with, with someone in the States who was showing me around where I was going to be living in, in their home. I was renting a room from them, and there, it was immaculate, the place. Um, and then she opened up this cupboard, uh, and she said, and here's where you know, we put everything that is messy so that we kind of keep the house looking this certain way for people who come in. And then at one point, she opened up the dishwasher, <clears throat> and there was also sort of clutter in there as another sort of place. And it was that kind of sense of being bound up with, it has to look a certain way, otherwise it's not going to be right um, yeah. in the eyes of other people, or they're going to think that I'm, I'm untidy if my house is untidy. Um, so home can be another, um, I guess, kind of factor um, with that. Relationships, again, we kind of slightly touched on that earlier, that kind of sense of um, if I've got really high expectations of myself, I'm likely to kind of, kind of hold those for other people as well or think less than of them if they're, you know, kind of not living quite up to what I think. Mm -hmm. So that I think that can kind of put a lot of pressure on people. It means lots of harsh or critical judgments, even if they just stay in your mind. Um, and then I think, you know, creative world, I think if you, you know, you bake or you write songs or poetry or, you know, anything kind of creative, I think some folk I've chatted to have, have shared that if they make one mistake, um, one woman I was chatting to was saying if she, if she makes one mistake on a, a blanket that she's making, she'll throw it out. Um, so it, it's got to be just right. Okay. Uh, and then I think spiritually as well, I think... I think when your kind of life is focused on living up to certain standards, I think when you hear that call to repent, mm. that sometimes cannot resonate because you just think, well, my whole life is oriented around being right and doing right. So that call to repentance can maybe feel a little bit like I don't quite need to because I'm, I'm doing all the right things. Um, but I think there can also be a kind of element of, of spiritual despair as well, that sense of, oh, I'm like, look at my life, look at my Monday to, to Saturday, like, I'm, I'm a rubbish Christian in comparison to everybody else. So I think it can be, yeah, again, we're seeing those kind of themes of pride or, or shame kind of come out. Yeah, it's even with that point of going, I, I mean, the gospel comes to me and says, all, all I've got to do is trust his grace, and I can't even do that right. Mm. Um, yeah. What must, what must others think? Yeah. Like just as you've moved on to spiritual things, tell us, because you asked for these passages to be read, Matthew 5, and I'll be honest with you, a pa one passage that says the whole law stays, and if you don't hit that, so your standard's going to be higher than the Pharisees, and then it lands with, uh, be, be perfect. Yeah. Uh, Amanda, let, let me say to you, and let me say out loud uh, what others might be thinking, that is just crushing. Um, I mean, here's, here's the bit in the gospel. Tell us a bit about where God says he loves us. Don't tell us the bit where it says be perfect. Yeah. Why is this helpful <laughs> for perfectionism and why is it not crushing? Or is it crushing? Actually, I think in a way it is, it is crushing um, because I think if you, if you look at that section and actually from verse 17 all the way through to verse 48, that whole section, essentially what Jesus is doing is, is like pulling back the curtain on the commandments and saying, look at the full reach of the law here. You know, with the, the section titled murder, he's saying it's not enough to refrain from physical murder. You, you know, even if you get 
I don't know, frustrated when your child disobeys or the person in Tesco lingers too long in front of the item that you need and you're annoyed. Like, you will have failed. And so I think in a sense, Matthew 5 is actually incredibly crushing because it's saying no matter how hard you work, you'll always have failed God's standards you know, set for us. But I think in another way, I think Matthew 5 is incredibly hopeful um, for all of us, but I think maybe... We want to know why uh, after <laughs> I'll that. Get there. Um, I think because there's, there's two little phrases that we often maybe kind of miss when we read this section. Is it worth people turning to them if yeah, you've not got them? Yeah, uh, so verse 17 and verse 48, they're, they're there on the screen as well. Yeah, um, grab, if you've got your Bible, turn page 969. That'd be good to have it back open. Yeah, so that, that first phrase is kind of caught up in this idea that Jesus fulfills all these requirements. Um, you know, he, he hasn't, when he's kind of doing this expansion of the law, he's not lowering the standards. He's revealing the actual height of them. But then in verse 17, right before he does that expansion, he says, you know, I've not come away to come to, to do away with these standards. I've come to fulfill them. And I was reading this really helpful um, devotional by Glenn Scrivener on this passage, and he was saying, you know, if you're, if you're down in the pub and somebody hands you an empty glass, they're saying to you, it's your turn. You know, you've got to go and buy the next round, you know, pay up. But if somebody hands you the full glass, you are invited to take part in, in their financial sacrifice and generosity and simply drink and enjoy what they have bought for you. And he's saying it in a similar way. This is kind of what Jesus is saying. He, he expands the law. He, he shows us just how far reaching it goes in a way that we can never fulfill it. But then he says, well, I've, I've come to fulfill this. He's done it. He's, he's, he's fulfilled he's done it. the law. Yeah. And it's, it's out of, in, or in light of his fulfillment of it that we, that we, that we, well, we, re, we receive that, don't we? And, and we can rest in that. And um, if we have good time, I'd love to share just a, again, a kind of maybe slightly silly, silly example, but... Um, David, I don't know if you're the kind of person who watches singing competitions like American Idol or X Factor. <laughs> you um, don't have to confess publicly that you are, but... Um, <laughs> don't shame but, me. That. I don't, I don't but really. I do. Um, it filled many of my teenage hours. And um, if you've watched any of those singing competitions or haven't, um, I guess the kind of usual format is that week on week, the contestants have to sing in front of a panel of judges and then an audience and the, the TV audience as well. Mm. And they've got to sing to secure their place in the next week's competition. So whenever they're performing, there's always this awareness that things could go horribly wrong. They could lose their place. And they're really singing for, for the people's kind of love of them. They've got to earn it. But my favorite moment is always when it's the finale week and the winner is crowned and the winner is invited back onto the stage to sing one more time as like, the confetti is falling and everything. And I've always thought that there's such a change in the way that they sing in that final performance because they're no longer singing to earn you know, the approval, the acceptance of the judges in the audience. They're singing for the pure joy of singing because they've already won. And I found that so helpful when thinking about this kind of passage and Jesus saying, I've fulfilled, because it's like he's, he's fulfilled, he's secured that victory for us, he's fulfilled it. And yes, we still have to live you know, in obedience to the Lord, but not from a place of trying to earn um, mm. earn approval or, or earn our way into God's family um, because Christ has done that for us. He brings us in. Um, so I guess that's the kind of first phrase, like that, verse 17, he fulfills. That is, it's just in the singing, it just made me think, when I'm singing at church on Sunday, my singing is dreadful. <laughs> uh, I'm not wanting you to particularly look at me, but what I tend to do is, if I'm standing just beside one person singing, I'll slightly move away so they don't have to hear me. 
It's not my favorite thing to do. What I love to do is if I'm standing close to people who are singing really loudly, and then I like to stand, move closer to them, because their singing covers over mine. Uh, and I can sing at the top of my voice, uh, and I'm covered by them. That's the kind of yeah. thing you, you're saying. Here's Jesus, he fulfills it for us. So yeah. I still know I've got imperfections. Yeah. I still know I don't think, get things right, but I'm, I'm welcomed. Yeah. Uh, and he and I guess that's, that's the other phrase, isn't it? Um, if in verse 48, if you just have a look back down at that one, it's, it's the verse that says, be perfect, um, therefore. But I think the first few times I read this passage, I read it as be perfect as God is perfect. And I read it kind of void of relationship, like be perfect and here's God who is perfect and I'm somehow having to live up there or match that. But then I read it more slowly and realized it says, be perfect as your heavenly father mm. is perfect. And it's just striking, isn't it, that um, Jesus brings us into God's family and we're given a permanent place there in his home. And the reality is we can't be perfect as, as God is perfect, but we, we are called to, yes, to live out that kind of joyful obedience to him, but not to earn our place mm. because he already is our heavenly father. So when I sin, when I mess up, when I make a mistake, it's not that he no longer loves me and I have to, I don't know, find a way to, to make sort of penance to earn my way back in, which I think is, for me, is a big issue when it comes to this kind of perfectionism struggle. I, I often think if I sin, then God must no longer love me. Mm. Um, and this little, that little verse, verse 48, though it can sound crushing initially because it says be perfect, mm. when we read that in light of Jesus' fulfillment for us, and then we catch that phrase, you know, your heavenly father, he's still my heavenly father, um, he still loves me. Um, he still welcomes me. Um, I still have a place. I'm adopted. Yeah, I'm adopted. Yeah. I've been brought in, and that's not up for question. Um, so when you put that with that question you asked yourself earlier on, I'm going to do this this week, or, and I would like it to go well, or else. Mm. And when the thoughts come into my head, I guess, going, or else I'll have an awful week, the answer from the gospel is, when you say, or else, well, or else you, you'll still be adopted. Yeah. And you still be covered. Yeah. You're still loved. And if you get things wrong, there's still forgiveness. Yeah. Um, look, time's almost gone. You've got to shoot. But, and again, we said this was just kind of nosing into this a little bit. Yeah. But some next step, if people are saying, gosh, there's an area I've begun to feel this in, I think that's, that's probably true for me. What could some next steps be? Um, I think that there's a, there's a few bits on the handout that was given just to kind of take away. Um, but I guess, you know, just just begin to kind of notice where you do see it kind of cropping up. Um, maybe kind of think that through with a friend. Um, but I think a, probably a big thing, there's lots on that sheet, but probably a big thing that I want to keep saying is, is come, come here, come to, well, you don't have to come here, but come to church, um, be with the Lord's people because it's where we remember. You know, we have those confessions of sin, don't we? But we always follow that up with a, a promise of forgiveness. Uh, we have the Lord's Supper that we celebrated this morning. It's a kind of remember Jesus has fulfilled and we are, we are partakers mm. of that as we drink um, the, the wine and eat the bread. Um, so I, there's, there's good rhythms in church life that help just kind of push back against maybe some of those perfectionistic tendencies. Um, and it's a place, yeah, especially as we corporately confess, we, we fail, we mess up, and yet there is that promise of forgiveness. Um, so I think, I think keep coming back to Christ's community. Um, and there's a few, few more things um, on that handout as well. So helpful things to think about, helpful, some helpful resources to mention there. I mean, I think, it, I think it's really helpful, isn't it? I remember somebody saying that 
you know, this idea that the gospel is not, is not just a gateway you pass through. Um, it's a well that you continue to draw more and more deeply from because it is filled with the riches of the Lord Jesus. So here's one area of life. Uh, and thank you for showing us how to take a thought from a walk uh, with a friend asking you an awkward question. And what it's led to is, oh, here's what trusting Jesus, not in a, here's another thing you've got mm. to do, but here's freedom in the Lord to begin to walk in. Um, and that's, that's an encouragement for us. I'm going to pray in a moment. But can we just show our appreciation for Amanda for sharing her thoughts? Um, And we're going to close up our time in worship um, again in a moment. Before we do that, let, let, let me pray. It's, it's, it's good to express thanks to Amanda. Thank you for sharing that. And yet anything we share is because of what the Lord has done. So let's bow our heads in worship as we, as we pray to him. Uh, Lord God, you, uh, you, your son does display. Uh, he doesn't just display the fruit of the Spirit. He, he is it. He is all these things. Uh, thank you for what we've thought about tonight. I, I guess there may be some of us, I was thinking about it, just the cruel words you say to yourself or even cruel words you say to others. And the Lord Jesus is kind. Even the way he speaks to us tonight as we've read part of his word that we might bristle from and think it's harsh and it's actually it's filled with gospel kindness. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have fulfilled the law for us and in you were adopted by a heavenly father. We've become uh, his beloved. And so we pray for one another. Uh, going on from here, there might be really helpful conversations uh, between us about areas where we might struggle like this. But also there would be words of encouragement about what it means to trust Jesus and be reassured of his love and to live in light of that. Please help us with it by your spirit. Amen. Uh, the musicians are going to come back. Matt, will you introduce our closing song? Thank you. <laughs>